Welcome to the number one podcast. I am your host, Coach Jake. This is where we explore the journey from no one to number one. Number one podcast. I am your host, Coach Jake. Happy to see you guys. Legacy of the Squared Circle. Happy to see you on Instagram. Uh, uh, Chance Nichols, Solomon, Acob, Stu Jitsu. What's up, Stuart? Happy to see you, dude. Uh, I hope you guys are doing good today. I want to talk about why sales is the lifeblood of business. I think a lot of you guys are missing out on uh, a real understanding of what sales really means. And I want to change that. As ever, if you guys want to hit me up in the chat, please do so. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, send me a number one. What's up, Stu? So we got Spain in the house already. Happy to see that. I'm out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Twitter, all of those. So you guys can hit me up in the chat and I will uh, engage with you. In the meantime, why is sales the lifeblood of business? In general, why is sales the lifeblood of any kind of income that you're going to have? Right? So today I want to discuss the importance of sales in the world of business and in life and how it really is the foundation of any successful company, right? So let's first talk about the role of sales in a business, right? What is sales? Sales is the process of identifying customers, potential customers, building relationships with them, and ultimately, Closing deals to generate revenue, right? Because without sales, the business will not survive. I've done a lot of work as a consultant and as a coach with entrepreneurs and their small businesses. And the number one, the reason why I got into this is that the number one reason that these businesses are failing is because they're not getting enough sales. It's that no sales. No business. Make sense? What's up, lyrically indigenous? Lyrically indigenous. Scott Vay, Todd Bungler, Harsh Conqueror. I do the best I can with these names. Silverback, what's up, Morgan? Happy to see you guys. Um, so the most important, a lot of times sales and marketing, they go hand in hand. Because in a very broad, crude way, Marketing is getting the leads. A lead is a potential customer for your product or service. So marketing is how do I get the lead? How do I get their name, their address? How can I reach them? How can I let them know that I exist? Once they know that I exist, then it becomes the job of sales to convert that lead, that potential customer, into a actual customer. Does that make sense? So we can it right along the middle there, sales and marketing, but they are both absolutely critical. What's up, Einzeng Dengar? To John the Block, happy to see you guys, Lord Foggy. Um, so some of you might be thinking that you know, hey, aren't there other aspects to a business besides sales, like operations? And those are 100 uh, operations, marketing, human resources, like all of these are important parts of a business. No doubt about it. But without sales, all your marketing, even all of your operations, it doesn't matter. How are you going to pay the bills? Because there is a cost associated with doing business. You, you might have rent at a strip mall. Let's say you're a karate dojo or a martial arts school. Um, you're going to have utilities. You're going to have to pay payroll. And how are you going to do that? You got to sell. You could have the greatest product or the greatest service on the planet. But if nobody is buying it because you are not selling it, then you're not going to make any money and you're out of business. Like 90% of businesses in their first 10 years. So 
how do we ensure that our business will be successful? The key is to always be selling. You have to sell. And anybody who looks down their nose at you or themselves, if you look down on yourselves for being a salesperson, man, you just got to get your head right. Everybody is into sales. Donald Trump, Joe Biden, all those guys are trying to sell you their bullshit. Your kids, they want a cookie. They want a, a video game. They want a trip somewhere to Disneyland. They're selling. You uh, want to have a romantic night with your wife or your wife wants to have her. She got to sell. You got to sell. All it is is persuasion. Now, I understand there's people who've got, you know, sales has gotten a bad rep because there, there can be scumbags. But guess what? There are scumbags in every arbitrary grouping of human beings. Cops. There are good cops and there are shithead cops. Politicians, mostly shitheads, but there are still some good politicians. Teachers, good teachers, bad teachers. In every group, salespeople, there are 100% amazing, helpful, uh, articulate, know their product, solve problems, completely ethical and transparent. And then there are um, scam artist types too. So this is why, in my opinion, it is our job to be true professionals and understand sales. And if you're going to look down your nose, sure, look down your nose at the guys that are unprofessional and doing awful stuff. And I wouldn't even call that sales. That's criminal. That's fraud, what they're doing. Uh, Morgan is jumping on the chat. What's up, Morgan? says, use tips from Cardone U yesterday from sales. Turned one client into a full family package. They came to sign their sign up and ended up signing up the whole family. Dude, awesome. That is so awesome. I, I'm really, really stoked to hear that. So um, now let me check the comments on the other page. Oh, good. Okay. So you've got to be selling. You've got to know how to sell. Do you know all the, the stages to a, to a sale? Attitude, greeting, backfinding appraisal or you know making sure that that they're qualified product selection doing the demo that's just the first part do you know how to do trial closes do you know how to uh negotiate right do you know how to make up do the write-up do you know how to close? Do you know how to deliver? Do you know how to follow up? Because the second sale is easier than the first sale, just like Morgan was talking about here. Although I guess he was doing more of an upsell. Okay. The more you sell, the more successful you will be. You've got to be looking for opportunities. You got to be out there scouting. So I'm, I've got two things that I sell. Primarily, I spend most of my time working to sell. That is catches catch can wrestling. So I'm reaching out to what, what, what I'd call B to C, business to consumer. So somebody, I'm like, hey, come to my camp. I'm a business. You're a consumer. Let me show you this incredible service I have. That's the coaching catch program. Now, I also have a B to B offer with scientific wrestling, which is, hey, gym owner or even martial arts business person, they may not even need to have a gym. They might just want to do seminars and leverage the brand, scientific wrestling and the curriculum and sell our products and sell our services and make mission, make money. So I sell wrestling. The other thing I'd sell is I sell business training. Like this, like what I'm talking about now. I train people with sales. Morgan was talking about uh, Cardone University. He is an affiliate because he is an affiliate, a scientific wrestling affiliate. Go to scientificwrestler.com, check it out. All the offer, the value stack. And he threw down his investment 
And with that came sales training through Cardone University, part of the deal. So he's learning how to sell and he just upgraded a client from an individual to an entire family because he's training and learning about sales. Okay. The thing you have to understand is selling is not just about closing more deals though. It really ultimately is about relationships. It's said so much that it's, it's almost cliche, but sales and relationships, it's almost like it should have a different name. It's just everybody knows sales, but it's really about relationship building. People buy from people that they trust and that they like. Do you buy from people you distrust and people you dislike? No. You buy from somebody who you're like, this is a, is a stand-up dude. This guy is going to, everything on the offer, I know I'm going to get it. I trust this guy. And the bigger, the ticket item that you're selling, I sell things all the way up in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, like sales training. I, I'm working on a package right now, sending out an agreement. The more, the higher the ticket, the more they, what Grant Cardone says is if they don't know you, they won't flow you, right? It's like, he always loves those rhymes and stuff, those clever, clever mnemonics. Well, what he means is if they don't know you, if they don't trust you, they are not going to give you their cash. So the way you do that is you actually get involved. You have to be a people person. This is, I think, where most of the times sales actually gets a bad name because I don't think a lot of people have very good relationship skills. If you are not an honest person and not a um, caring person and willing to get kind of get in people's business a little bit, because it's really what you have to do to help them solve problems, you will not be successful. The most successful salespeople are not the ones that you think, oh, that guy should go into sales. He's so charming and all that. No, it's the people that develop long and lasting relationships with people. That's who sells. People buy from people that they trust and like. It, that's it. So it's important for you to always be building relationships with potential customers. And how do you do that? You help them. Even if they're not your customer now, they might be able to refer you once they understand what you do. So let's say I help somebody out, somebody uh, I'm good with, with business and, and money. So I give somebody some advice. They may not be able to afford my services. But they talk to somebody who does. And that person can afford my services and is impressed by how much I change this person. Well, holy moly, let's, let, me, let me talk to this guy. Then I could start developing a relationship and we could see if there's trust and, and uh, friendship built. Honestly, right? So you need to kind of really take serious relationship building because this is how you're going to learn what people actually need so you can tailor what you offer to solve their problems. That's all sales is. Sales is the ultimate problem-solving endeavor. That's how I like to think. Okay? So the other thing in sales is you have to be persistent. Today, I sold a ticket to uh, GrowthCon. And I've been... I've been talking to this guy. I met him actually at a, at a Cardone event years ago, but I've been texting and talking to him for over a year. And I got a sale. But is it, or, you know, what is it? Like, this is a guy I've taken him out to lunch. We've hung out. I know all about, he likes ancient aliens. He likes all the, so I know this guy. Like we've become friends. So you've got to be persistent. You've got to be the one that initiates conversations. You've got to be the one that initiates relationships, that nurtures the relationship, okay? So sales is 100% the lifeblood of business. Without it, you're not going to survive. It is not sustainable. And this is the problem I find when I come in uh, and I'm like a turnaround guy, I come in and help these businesses. And sometimes it's too little, too late. I come in, I tell them what to do. And I'm like, man, I've done this before. Look at the results I've gotten, but they are too far gone and they don't, they won't do the sales work. So you've always got to be selling. You've always got to be building relationships and you've got to be persistent, man. You cannot take rejection personally. 
because not everybody needs your stuff, but nobody's going to know about your stuff unless you tell them. Does this make sense? Sometimes I think like the dating world is a great analogy for sales. You know, like think about persistence. That doesn't mean like hounding one girl or one guy to go on a date. What I'm saying is let's look at numbers. If my particular approach to closing a deal or getting a date, it's all sales. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Because it has to do with human relationships and setting up an exchange, a winner's exchange where both people are happier after the exchange. That could go for dating. That could go for business. Like You like my hat? And I like your 60 bucks more than I like my hat. And you like my hat more than your 60 bucks. We trade. You're happy because you like my hat more than your 60. And we traded. And I like your 60 bucks more than my hat. We traded. We're both happy. That takes work, like any kind of relationship. But, you know, we've got this culture where people just swipe and ghost and all this. It's not a good way to do business. It's not going to be sustainable because it's based off of trust. And people don't trust people who are looking at everybody else or, or ghosting people. You've got to be persistent. You can't be taking rejection personally. Like, like if you want to date or you want to sail, but I'll use the dating metaphor. If I've been 18 years, 17 years, um, together 18. But if you, if you want to go out with a, a guy or a girl, on, you need a date for Saturday night. Dude, if you talk to 100 people saying, hey, you want to go out, maybe only 10 will say, yeah, let's talk and see. And then of those 10 that you talk and see, that means 90 no's. And then 10 maybes. And of those 10 maybes, you might get one or two yeses. And then you might be able to choose. So all I'm saying here is that it takes a lot of persistence. It's actually work. And it's just developing relationships. So. Sales is the lifeblood of any and all businesses. Now, you need also marketing, and we'll talk about the role of marketing. In fact, marketing is senior to sales, but you can do all the marketing you want in the world and have everybody know about you and have a million leads, but if you can't close the leads, then that's not any good either. So sales truly is where the rubber hits the road. It's where you get revenue from which to do payroll, operating expenses, pay taxes, uh, owner pay, all that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for tuning in to presentation. Why sales is the lifeblood of business. Uh, and I will be back every day. Give you guys some more uh, tips and tricks and whatnot. If you guys have any questions now, this is the time. Hit me up. Uh, I will be here for five more seconds. You can ask me about uh, catch wrestling, scientific wrestling. You can ask me about uh, anything Cardone. You can ask me about business. You can, you can ask me about politics or religion, but I tend to stay away from it. <laughs> but I'll answer if you ask. Uh, what's up, Stellar Steven? Thank you for the number one. I appreciate you, buddy. Um, all right. If there's no questions, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys an update on some stuff. If you do want GrowthCon tickets, they just, it, it's been sold out, but there have been a couple of people that have uh, not been able to go. I had one of my clients. Bought a $5,000 VIP uh, premiere ticket. Wasn't able to go. Uh, so they've been released back into the pool. So there are a few tickets all the way down to the, uh, I don't want to call it cheap seats because all the seats are good. Theater in the round. Uh, but the executive tickets are available. You don't get uh, access to premiere or diamond parties. Uh, but those tickets are available. So you can hit me in the DM. I will send you the link. Uh, if you're interested, you can make it to be in Vegas. My guess, they never, they have not been announcing uh, who the speakers are last year. Grant uh, tried to get Dave Chappelle. Chappelle couldn't make it um, last minute. And, um, uh, but God, freaking such a stellar lineup. Tillman Fertitta, Donald Trump showed up. It was crazy. Um, stellar Steven, let's see, he's asking a question. Which manufacturer makes the scientific wrestling rash guards? Not sure how it's relevant. It's called Combat Corner. Uh, they are super high-end. They are like double-stitched. They're American-made. Uh, just a great company. Um, and by the way, if you guys want some of those rash guards, we are doing a limited run of both. There's two styles, CWO 
catch world order and uh the uh, chaos skull either one man with badass lightning bolt going through so you can check that out dm me those are on the instagram on the on the website that kind of stuff i'll get you the link if you need help i uh, appreciate that uh stellar steven Voldivai elijah i'm totally butchering your name i'm so sorry dude best person to study from an overhook like dude, what do you mean like uh, a wizard is that what you mean um all kinds of great people i i would say i mean this i couldn't tell you somebody that is overhook specific i don't really I, there are these guys that go out there and study everybody else's tapes. I'm not one of those. I am a guy that goes a deep dive on one or two mentors. And so, you know, my mentors have been uh, Billy Robinson, first and foremost, Carl Gotch, Wade Chalice, um, Dick Cardinal, and then to a lesser extent, but pretty significant, Fujiwara, Gene LaBelle. All of them know how to use a wizard, how to set things up. Billy, in particular, has a whole series of uh, of setups from getting a, a good wizard. A lot of people don't even do the wizard the right way or overhook. I think that's what you're talking about. Uh, Water Gun out on YouTube. What's up, dude? I have a few catch questions for you. What did Gatirapsa think of Luthes and, and Saturu, uh, oh, uh, Sayama as a real? sub wrestler so <laughs> uh gotch and fez had times in their life when they got along but towards the end carl did not really have a whole lot positive to say about luke fez um i just relayed that information that made me a lot of enemies unfortunately i have a lot of respect for luke fez. Gene LaBelle had a lot of respect for Luthez and Billy Robinson had a lot of respect for Luthez. Um, I think that Luthez was fantastic. I think he was a tough guy. I think had MMA existed back then, I'm almost sure he would have gone into it and done well. Very athletic guy. Uh, really smooth, very coordinated. Good. I mean, just super athletic. And knowledgeable. Um, I mean, learned with Ed, said, and tell, right? So, um, uh, Anyway, um, my view of Luthez is this. Super talented, had some of the greatest coaches in the world. Um, the problem was, is he was given, when he came up right at the end of legitimate catch wrestling and when the, the work was the predominant way. He came up when the work was, so he still was able to learn the old style in legitimate competitive catch. But when he came in to the NWA and he got the strap, the world, the championship title, when he was like 20, he was protected from that point on, meaning he wasn't having really hard competitive matches. That is required for you to stay at the top of your game. Does this make sense? It's a nuanced, subtle thing. I think he was... I don't think he was as good as Billy and Carl personally. Um, and I, when I asked guys like Gene LaBelle, Gene said Carl would beat him. Uh, Billy said Carl would beat uh, Lou. But that's not to knock any of this. And all of this is is speculative. I, I really don't like these kind of questions, honestly, because we have no idea. Um, I know that, you know, Gotch, with regards to Sayama, um, you know, I didn't really get much out of Billy about Sayama. I didn't even know that Billy really knew much about him, to be honest. Um, Gotch, Sayama is another guy who is super talented, crazy athletic, Tiger Mask. I mean, just go watch some of those matches. The guy was on another level. When I asked Carl about Sayama, he disowned him. I didn't want anything to do with him, not because of technical reasons, but because he said that he would go into the gym and see Sayama basically beating and abusing his students. And Carl called him a bully and didn't want to have anything to do with it. Hey guys, it's Coach Jake with the number one podcast. And, you know, at number one coaching, we know that small business owners struggle to scale and increase their revenues. So 
we're here to help you. We believe that every single entrepreneur deserves the chance to win beyond their wildest dreams so that they can have peace of mind and abundance. We do that by increasing your revenue, teaching your sales strategies to increase your revenue, demolishing employee disengagement. And we do that really by transforming your sales managers into coaches that are concerned with putting points on the board, but those points are revenue. I want to help you. I'm here to help you. You don't have to go through your business life complacent, just accepting, reacting. Let's take charge. Let's win. You can head over to numberonecoaching.com, schedule an appointment. It's free. We can do a strategy session, 15 minutes for free. Numberonecoaching.com. Thanks. Now, does that have anything to do with Sayama's technical prowess? No. It had to do with uh, philosophy, you know, difference in, in attitudes. And, and Carl, but so I know Carl uh, poured a lot of work into him, and I think Sayama is very much a genius. And Shuto is absolutely brilliant, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that helps. <laughs> um, Stellar Steven, how long did you train with Noah and Ultimo Dragon? Thanks. So, um, somewhat, well, Ultimo Dragon was uh, like a, was a week-long training camp down in his dojo in Mexico City. It's actually on the outskirts called now Calpon is the city. And um, in 2001, I, Sonny Ono uh, put forth the, the option to go train down there. And I was like, dude, you know, it's like, tell me to jump and I'm going to ask how high. I was like, there. So I went down there. Um, he did not do a lot of the training. I got to meet him. He was a great guy. Super nice. Um, it was uh, Jorge. God, I cannot remember his last name. He's a luchador guy. And uh, Shima, they did a lot of the training, but it was with the group uh, T2P. So I don't know if you know uh, Yoshino or any of that group from T2P, but they were more focused not on the acrobatics, but on, in, in Spanish, what is known as lave or the locks, the joint locks. And that's why I was so excited to go down there because that was my gimmick, my style, the submission wrestling. So um, with regards to pro wrestling, Noah, I didn't get, I wasn't working with Noah um officially it was a satellite dojo that was created in the united states by uh donovan morgan michael modest bison smith and um it was called pro wrestling iron and made all kinds of great friends and that was a real pivotal thing for me because i was getting very disillusioned with pro wrestling i didn't really enjoy it i didn't like the theatrics i did like the more competitive aspect to it but i also, it was disillusioned with the jiu-jitsu. I didn't like it. I didn't like the lack of takedowns. I didn't like being on my back. And so when we would do practices, this happened also at Ultimo Dragons Gym. I started it there and I, I went to that camp in uh, 2001. And then I started with Noah. It had to have been 2002 or with Pro Wrestling uh, Iher, Pro Wrestling Tetsuo. And uh, I was there for, I think I was there for nine months or a year. And, uh, and then I graduated from college and moved to LA and that's what I just went full bore into, uh, studying and, and coaching catches, catch can wrestling instead of pro wrestling or jiu-jitsu, uh, just focused head first on, but what I loved at the practices was that we actually wrestled. It was like real grappling under pro wrestling rules. And that's where a lot of this came up and Sakuraba was coming up in MMA at the same time. And I was like, dude, this is what I want to do. This is my mission in life to make the rules of professional wrestling present again. And so now we see King, you know, Katie Catch, Shoe Pro Wrestling, King, uh, Scientific Wrestling, all the stuff that that's associated with that, right? So I, I don't know if that helps. Uh, Watergun says, thank you so much. No problem. And then he has another question. And I see you out there on, uh, on the Instagram. I don't know what the question is. Ferguson something says, do you do some wrestling, I think is the question. Or sumo wrestling, I don't know. 
Uh, I haven't been able to wrestle since I had my carotid dissection and strokes. That's been since I was 39 and I'm 49. So it's been like 10 years since I've really been able to get on the mat. It is one of the biggest heartbreaking things for me in the world uh, to not be able to wrestle. It's like, I still wrestle with my boys, my kids, my sons. And that's, uh, I love it, but I, I wish I could get out there, but I don't want to die. <laughs> I've got one carotid left. I'm, I'm riding on my spare right now. So I'm just going to take it easy at this point. Just coach. Uh, Water Gun says, uh, what was your and Billy's relationship with taking it to the mat YouTube channel and Yamasaki and that Eric Paulson looking young guy, Brandon, Brandon Kaiser. Yeah. And Brian Yamasaki. I'd love to hear the history on that. Not much history. I, I, um, I'd been in LA and, uh, Southern California for the better part of 10 years and had, you know, established myself as a coach and trainer in catch wrestling but i uh did not want to live in california any longer uh because of some of the policies of the, the state and it's very they're not very friendly to business to small business so my wife and myself and we i had a daughter at that time uh we had our daughter move to utah because i read a report because this is right around the 2008 uh, financial crisis prior i i i was working at banking as a quant analyst and i was privy to some information i was like dude this is gonna get ugly and uh i started setting us up to move to utah which was the only place that was valued um on a couple of different uh valuation indices for home prices and i wanted to buy a house and i couldn't do it in california so um anyway moved out there and when i was there i'm like damn you know i don't know anybody and, uh, uh, but I had known Eric and, and Eric is just a really great guy. He's really a good, genuine human being. Definitely a wild man, like definitely got some crazy ideas, but in the most positive ways, just a, a brilliant guy. Anyway. So, uh, when I got out there, he was like, oh, you got to look these guys up, man. They're my people. And I was like, okay. And so I did. And it ended up being a great connection because when, uh, I don't already been working with Billy Robinson while I was in Orange County and in Los Angeles. And so uh, when I moved to Utah, I needed a place to host seminars with Billy and myself. And so they ended up being the first guys. And then they had this like TV show on closed circuit TV or whatever, like the local cable TV. Uh, and, uh, and they, just had great production values. And so we just filmed a bunch of stuff. It was really great. Great guys. Great guys. Yeah. So uh, Brian Yamasaki and uh, Brandon Kaiser. Fantastic humans. Hope that answers you guys' questions. Um, yeah. I'm a, I'm a jet. <laughs> it's been a long day, man. I still got to uh, close a couple deals. I'm about to start heading into... Uh, our spring tour for scientific wrestling. We're going to head out hitting Orlando first. And then I'm going to San Diego, Denver, Pinion Hills, uh, Charlotte. I mean, it's awesome, dude. I'm really excited, but I'm gearing up. Plus we got growth con coming up. So I'm going to be out of pocket for like four days schmoozing and, and learning. It's going to be amazing. And then water gun says, Thank you so much, bro. Love your work. I appreciate that, dude. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, I make myself available to you guys here uh, and try to share a little bit. Uh, if I can be of service to you in a bigger way, whether it's with your business or if it's uh, with grappling, I'm here. Just hit me up in the DMs or uh, you can go to my website. You can go to numberonecoaching.com. That's, uh, there's different ways to get a hold of me there. You can schedule appointments and whatnot. Uh, obviously you could meet me out at a camp. I've been doing them since 2006 now. So that's been a minute. It's crazy. Crazy to think how long, uh, what is that? Like 17 years or something. What's up, Rob? Thanks for the thumbs up, dude. Um, oh, we got some questions on Instagram. So sorry. I, I did not mean to, uh, ignore you guys. Let's see. We've got, um, Voldivaya Elijah. And I'm sorry if I'm messing your name up. I'm just not good at it. How do you beat someone more athletic than you? Well, 
that's how I used to have to win because I mean, I would take my conditioning seriously, but I got, I'm injured. And I, you know, so a lot of times it is about knowledge. It's about knowing more than the other guy. So I'll give you an example. When I first started in, in submission grappling, submission wrestling and jujitsu and catch, all that, when I first started was in 1993 at Boulder YMCA because I had a black belt in Taekwondo that I got with like 15 at a strip mall, mile high karate back in the day. And I thought I was tough. And my roommate was a green belt in judo and he got sick of my bullshit. I, I think I beat him up in a box and he did like it. And so he's like, well, let's do this judo thing. I was like, fine. And uh, he threw me around, ragdolled me left and right. Now, I had been a peewee wrestler, but I'd forgotten about wrestling. I never thought of wrestling as a martial art ever. Uh, and then when this friend started doing that, I was like, dude, grappling is where it's at. And what I realized is I could go against all kinds of guys way more athletic than me. But if they didn't understand submissions or didn't know as many submissions or setups as me, and I could get them before they got me, man, I could win. So, you know, for me, a lot of it, and that's why I really like the idea and the uh, branded everything, scientific wrestling, because I do think knowledge is truly a huge part about, of it. Um, athleticism is important as well. I mean, uh, clearly, because now things are different. When I started in 93, sure, you could go in the back of Black Belt Magazine and, and these other magazines and buy instructionals, but there was no YouTube. There was no social media. There was no uh, TikTok or Instagram. So you still could have an edge based on information. And I think you still can because I do think part of what a lot of people do mistakenly is they follow the herd. And that's one thing that's always served me well is to dig while everybody else is sagging. And so nobody knew Nelsons. Nobody knew cradles. Nobody knew leg locks. I just freaking jack people with that shit because they didn't know it and they didn't know how to defend it now it's different time now it's different there's a lot of people know a lot of different shit now right but you can always look at like where are the trends where are people going i still think that cr cradles and nelsons are largely underused and misunderstood i think there's going to be a massive shift towards it now but i've been doing that since the 90s right because i got caught in it i got caught in a cradle by my friend uh alex years ago years ago uh like 25 years ago and it was like oh shit and then i wanted to learn everything about cradles and i mean that's how you learn dude you learn through failure that's the best way to do it so i don't know if that helps um let's see here volved i'm just gonna call you elijah i feel nowadays athleticism matters more because knowledge is so attainable and you and when you it, wouldn't you say it's easier to obtain knowledge than, uh, dude, but that's again, why wrestling tends to now really dominate. I saw it in the late nineties. That's why I switched over on uh, wrestling really dominates grappling and MMA because they, they don't just work hard. They work smart. So here's the thing, right? Like, and this is in general, not just grappling. People say, oh, work smart, not hard. That's jujitsu. Wrestling is like work smart and work hard, and then they beat everybody. So to your point, uh, Elijah, I, I'm to, I totally feel you. I'm totally on the same same page. Uh, Nate Hinkson, what was your best leg lock? Uh, I like to do a leg lace and then get the heel hook with the guy's legs crossed. That's That was my one thing. I mean, so, you know, th this is another thing that I think is important for you guys to know. As you transition from being coached to coaching, when you're an athlete and you're being coached, you really only need three moves. I, honestly, you need a takedown, you need a, 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 and a, and a finisher, and you need to have a, some sick-ass uh, defense. Those are the three things you need. Honestly, I mean, look at um, Jordan Burroughs. He's got that blast double. He has a bunch of other stuff, but that's his bread and butter. He knows it from everywhere. Double wrist lock, right? So. For me, I only had a few different things I liked. I really liked Nelson's. I really loved Nelson's back in the day. I loved to do uh, the front full Nelson on people because uh, very few people see it, right? So uh, let's see here. 
Yeah, Ron McClenney, rather you either. Sorry, my phone's so small. You're competing in grappling or MMA or you have to learn how to wrestle. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so let's go out to YouTube and whatnot and Facebook. We've got JC says, thank you for being an inspiration for sports even after being sick. Yeah, dude, like so, uh, you know, it's been it's been interesting because I, I, I do feel that uh, God nerfed me a little bit. You know, I'm like, man, had I not been had my illnesses and sickness and, and injuries man i would have been fucking unstoppable given all the other shit that i've done but you know uh it put me in a certain place and it's allowed me to uh still have a massive impact upon something that i that i love so i appreciate that thanks jc let's see we've got anthony verdon how would you go about getting back into grappling mainly catch you know, I mean, I'm 50, dude, so I'm going to be real. <laughs> um, uh, my shoulder, my knee, my hip, and my spine, and my carotid are totally jacked. My testosterone is not what it used to be, although, you know, no pun intended, knock on wood. haven't needed any uh, supplements for any of that stuff yet. Uh, I've been very blessed in that regard. But... Um, I don't know, man. I, I, it really kills me. I think this is actually where I find something interesting. Um, you know, there's a, a difference in, in the British style. Um, now Billy didn't, uh, really agree with it per se, but, uh, you know, a lot of the people in the UK practice their catch without chokes. Now, I would be more open to doing that because of the damage to my carotid, but then it would also have to preclude neck cranks because neck cranks can cause carotid dissections. You guys should really look up what are the signs of stroke um, and, and what are the signs of a carotid dissection. My my good buddy, Chris Morton, he runs uh, grapplinginsurance.com. He's a, a suffered, he's a survivor of a, of a, of a stroke and a carotid dissection just like myself. It's a real problem. So I don't know, man. I would really love to get back, but I'm a little old. The risk is is palpable. I, you know, I had doctors telling me not to wrestle for probably 10 years before I actually retire. And they still hadn't diagnosed me, but they were looking at like some of the cervical uh, damage that I was having. They're like, dude, you're going to end up paralyzed. I still stupidly kept grappling and beating some, some interesting guys. I was never, you know, I, I, my real period of time when i was a stud you know i'm gonna be real was in my before 30 and man i turned i turned 30 in 2003 and there just weren't a lot of opportunities and so i was really on the tail end of like what i felt was my strongest time uh, i don't know if that answers your question <laughs> uh let's see water gun billy left snake pit japan in 2014 no he left in 2006 um, what brought him back to America? Did he like work, working and living in Japan? Yeah, I saw Miyato posted something about 2004. No, 14. He died in 2014. Dude. He left uh, uh, Japan in 2000, at the beginning of 2007. And that's when we worked together from 2007 for seven years until his passing in 2014. So um, he... You know, it's an interesting question. He left Japan because he didn't want to be there anymore. He felt like um, he was alone. He didn't know the language very well. Um, he wasn't really making any money. I, Eric Paulson told me that he, when he went over there, Billy was living in this little shack and only had like a can of beans. And it was just pathetic. And so, um, you know, I did my best to change all that and to make his last years just epic traveling the world. He, none of that was happening. He was just kind of like kept. And so uh, he wasn't super high on it, but he is very grateful to like guys like Miyato um, at uh, Snake Pit Japan because when they found him, he was in a really bad way. He had just gotten out of a, a divorce and had lost all of his money. He made a lot of money and lost it in the divorce and then in alcoholism for a number of years. And so... Um, he came back to America because he wanted to be close to his son and because we were doing stuff like traveling to Europe and to the UK and all around the United States, really making his name known on, on a big, big level and impacting 
um, actual MMA. Uh, that's where he wanted to to leave his legacy um, was in legit contests, not in the pro wrestling stuff. I hope that helps. I don't know if that helps at all. Uh, Carlos, what's up, my man? Hope your knee's doing good. Knowledge is, or maybe easily attainable, but how that knowledge is used is what makes the difference, in my opinion, of course. Yeah. So the here's here's why, you know, people ask, like, you know, there's people out there that go and watch every tape, right? That, that's what I hear, like, Dan or her does. That's why he gets kind of accused of ripping everybody's stuff off all the time and not giving credit. I don't really do that. Um, I will, if there's something that's trendy or people are using a lot, I will try to understand it so I know how to counter it. But um, unless some is really special, I'm not going to use it. And so I just stick with the guy, the learnings of the guys that I know are the best. And I made them the backbone of the scientific wrestling curriculum. And that's Billy and Carl and Wade Chalice. You just don't get any better than that. I mean, just the, the, the sheer, it, they weren't even competitive. They were dominant. They just dominated the entire scene. So I just focus on that. And same with Grant Cardone. There's a million people you could learn from. You could learn. I mean, I don't know. I, I do not endorse any of these people, but you know, Gary Vaynerchuk or um, Ed Milet or uh, Alex Ramosi, I actually do endorse him. He's pretty smart. Um, and it's not knocking those other guys or Tony Robbins. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying, I'm not going to go study with those guys. But uh, I have just like zeroed in on Cardone because the guy resonates with me. Everything I've ever learned from my master's degree in finance to my uh, 30 years as an entrepreneur, everything he's saying is 100% spot on, but even deeper and more effective than the stuff that I had been uh, learning. And so I just focus on one person to try to master what they've been able to do at a time. And that takes a lot of time to do it, uh, really. You know, so uh, let's see. Elijah blowing me up on. Oh, Nate Hinkson, when's the next shoe pro? You know, I'm, there's just only one me. I need more people, but I've got uh, a, a guy assisting me. His name's Matt Granahan. He's uh, been around in the scene for a while, and he, we're trying to drum up interest. Vern Earwood, who is our first American scientific wrestler affiliate, Jim. He's got a fantastic spot. We're looking to do shows out of his, like a studio show. That should probably be happening in the next, let's say the next, I'm hoping to do it. And I don't know if I could do it while we're doing the spring tour. So it may be immediately after the spring tour, do uh, a tournament to, to belt possibly light heavyweight, uh, junior heavyweight uh, for shoot pro. Hope that answers your question. Elijah says, I know you're not a fan of pulling guard, but truly in a grappling competition against someone who's more athletic, I think it could be a smart decision to take the fight where you're more knowledgeable. Listen, yeah, if you train as a guard puller and don't train takedowns, then yeah, why would you ever try to go? It's just that you're not good at it because you're not trained. You got to train at it, okay? So yeah, I mean, but you know, is that strategically the best? I mean, I don't know. Maybe on a, in a controlled environment in a cushy padded room. Sure. Certainly doesn't seem to work out well in MMA statistically. Uh, and you know, the street, I don't know. I don't really, I, I carry a gun and a knife. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about a takedown if I can avoid it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, whatever you train is, it's just, you end up, <clears throat> you find whatever you look for. So if you just look to be a guard puller, you're going to find opportunity there. But if you really train yourself to look for takedowns, you'll find those. It's just what are you actually spending your time doing? If you're spending all your time pulling guard, that is what you will tend to do. Not rocket science, right? So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what to do with that question. Um, I'm not. It's not that I'm against pulling guard. If it works, it works. I just. I think pulling guard, putting myself underneath a human trying to beat the fuck out of me on a planet with gravity, it's just not my first choice, personally. Um, hope that helps. Let's see. Elijah says, recently competed at Black Belt, up 30 pounds, had way more success, just pulling guard, got thrown twice. Okay. Well, I do not know much about your background, my friend. So, uh, let's see. Water gun. 
How is Josh Barnett? Will he compete again in grappling or MMA? I just talked to him last week. We had a nice chat on the phone. We talk, I don't know, maybe every month, every quarter, something like that. Just bullshit. He's a great guy. A solid human being. Just a good person. He uh, he did hint that he was going to be doing more, uh, I think, internationally, is if I remember. I don't want to speak for him because I, I cannot remember exactly what he had said. Um, but he's doing well and he is hustling. He's got his uh, his wrestling tournament. And I just shared it on the Scientific Wrestling Facebook page, uh, the link for, I think it's the ACWA is his organization, American Catch Wrestling Association. They're doing a tournament. Uh, it's coming up. I don't know the date off the top of my head. Maybe somebody in the comments can tell me. Uh, get out there. Get out there. It's out outside of LA, like in the suburb. Alhambra, uh, I think. Alhambra or whatever. How are you saying? I've been gone for you so long. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that helps. But he's doing great. Man. Great human. Great human. Tough human. I think people sleep. Like, you know, if you watch some of his matches, I think, you know, because... At the tail end of his 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 big big run, you know he met up with Gordon Ryan, who's a once in a generation athlete, and you know uh, got subbed. Okay, but dude, that run that he had, where he suplexed the gold medalist judo guy right on his head, when he was running through everybody in all those jujitsu tournaments, like Dean Lister, like I think people forget how incredibly winning Josh Barnett is, uh, what his record is in his career. He's, a guy's a genius. I'm stoked to have him. He's coming out uh, with Wade Shallis. So it's going to be one hell of a seminar out in BrocociCatch.com in Pinion Hills in May. You guys want to sign up? That will sell. That will sell. So, um, all right, guys, we're running on an hour. My first presentation on why sales is the lifeblood of business was only 15 minutes, but we've done almost a 40 minutes of Q&A. Um, oh, Carlos is jumping in. He says, February 12th, I believe this is tournament. Yeah, you can find the link if you go to my Scientific Wrestling uh, Facebook page. Just look up Scientific Wrestling on Facebook. The link is there, okay? And sign up. And if you're not signing up, get some people to sign up, all right? Elijah says, appreciate your time, brother. Thank you, my friend. Good to meet you. Um, guys, hit me up if you need anything. You need business? You need uh, a, a wrestling, a submission wrestling perspective on things? Let me know. I'm here for you guys. Appreciate you for tuning in. Talk to you next time. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the number one podcast. I am your host, Coach Jake. And as ever, please, if you enjoyed this episode, share it. Pass it along. Hit like, all that. Smash the like button, whatever. Please help us get the word out. My mission is to help as many people as possible. Head over also to numberonecoaching.com. We are here to help you with your small business, help it succeed, help it grow, and help you thrive and become number one.